All right. Well, hello, everybody. Good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. Man, what a great time of worship in the house of God today. I'm so grateful, like Tandra said, that God, God is here every week, and I'm just so grateful for that. I want to say hello to all of our family who's joining us online at the Vacation Campus today, and all of our family joining us from Upshur County Jail. Come on, can we say hello to everybody joining us online? We're grateful that you're with us online today, even though you can't be in the house. We love you so very much. Uh, It's been a great summer so far. I hope you've had a great summer so far. Over the last few weeks, a lot's been going on here at New Covenant. We had an incredible makers camp for our kids where 300 kids almost came out and just an incredible uh, time of them learning about their gifts and their purpose in God. Thank you for all of you volunteers that served at that. Uh, It was just around 90 volunteers, so thank you so much for your time. Uh, pouring into these kids, yeah. And then last week, you got to hear uh, from my brother. Many of you don't know him, but he did. I thought he did a great job and was grateful for him coming. And today, you are going to be blessed as well because we have an amazing person with us today. We have Pastor Mark Job and his beautiful wife, Sandy. And Pastor Mark is uh, a pastor at Gateway Church. And he and I, over the last year and a half or so, have just started started a relationship, started to grow closer together, and I just know that you're going to love his heart. His heart for God, his heart for people, his heart for God's church just comes out, and uh, you're just going to be incredibly blessed today. Would you give a great big NCC welcome to Pastor Mark Joe? Oh, I feel old today. I injured my knee Six months ago, and the doctor said, I don't need surgery, but I definitely need healing. So stretch your hands out if you would. No, okay. <laughs> I don't know how long it takes, evidently longer than six months, but anyway. We're so honored to be here with you, to be back with you. Uh, Sandy and I were here back, we were here in January, I believe, and uh, I'm so glad she got to be back with me uh, today. And, and uh, I don't know if we told you this back in January, but we've been married 42 years and uh, we've been in love 43. I mean, you know, you figure that out. But uh, we have three grown and married kids. Of course, they're adults now, but it sounds funny to say we have three grown and married adults because that's just weird. But uh, we have three grown and married kids and five grandsons. And uh, they're all going to be waiting on me when I get to the house this afternoon. So I can't wait to see them all, you know, at one time. And uh, it's going to be crazy around our house for a few days, so we're excited about that. And I, I, I don't like to, f- I never like to uh, forget that we have a granddaughter in heaven. And I was thinking about that the other day of, of people say, you know, when I get to heaven, the first person I'm going to look for is Jesus. And I appreciate that, and that's probably what will happen to me. But I'm thinking the first person I'm looking for is, is our little granddaughter that uh, slipped out of here prematurely. And so... You know, things like that just tug on your heart. And I think the older I get, heaven just sounds sweeter every day, you know. And not going, in, and not going anytime soon, but I'm just telling you, that was on my heart this morning. But uh, I just want to honor your pastor, Pastor Stephen and Pastor Tandro. Could we just give them a round of applause? Wow. Wow. You know, he's talking about, we've been, we've been relating a little bit more lately. He's easy to love, you know. And when you see a couple on fire for Jesus chasing after the presence of God, you just want to follow them. 
Because you know you're about to see more and more of the kingdom of God released. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, but this is a mega church in East Texas. You ever, you ever thought about that? You are a mega church in Longview, Texas. And uh, you, if you were to get everybody together at one time, I mean, you could fill the local convention center. And God's up to something really sweet. For you to get out of bed this early on a Sunday and be excited about Jesus, it's not just because of a good church. It's because you're chasing after Jesus with all of your heart. And that's contagious. It just is. And that wasn't my message, but I sure could preach about that for a minute. But I want to talk to you today about orphans, sons, and daughters. God's been speaking to me about this subject for some time now. And I just want to, I want to draw you into it for a minute because you say, well, I'm not an orphan. I understand maybe you are, maybe you're not, but it's more than just about being a physical orphan. I believe the Lord wants to talk to us today about this subject. A few years back, I had the, the privilege of visiting an orphanage in, uh, in the Ukraine. Of course, the Ukraine's been in the news quite a bit because of the war and only the Lord knows what's happened to all those orphans that I, that I met. But I want to tell you just a little bit about what I experienced when I was there. It was a state-run orphanage, and so everybody in the orphanage, I mean, they had shelter, they had food, they had clothing, they had medical assistance, they had education, they had all of the basic needs. But there were three basic needs that they didn't have, at least for the most part, and it was the basic needs of the heart. They, they needed love, and some of them did or didn't get that they needed they needed family and in many cases they had no family and they tried to find family inside that orphanage but they they needed family and the third thing they needed that was very very scarce was a hope for the future most of them had no hope for the future they had no no one to look to to say i want to be like that or i could do that or i could go to college none of that was present except in one wing of this orphanage there was a ministry there in the Ukraine that had built a good enough relationship with the local government that they let them do a beta test inside this orphanage. They said, we're going to bring in uh, outside parents to, to encourage these children, and we're going to do some, uh, some job training, and we're going to dream about the future, and we're going to see what kind of a difference it would make in these students. They, they took in simple things just like paint and painted the walls of this one room and they took in lamps. This place was super dark and they lit up that room and that room became the family room and that room became where they would study together and do homework together, have outside contact with people that loved them. It made all the difference in the world. You go into that room, those kids were smiling. They were glad to see you. They were singing. They were learning about the gospel. All of it was part of the plan. But then one night they took me over to what I called the dark side. It was dark physically and spiritually. We took, it took flashlights to, to find our way down the hallways after dark. And as we found our way down to this one, one room, I believe the Holy Spirit led us there. There was a young man in there. I think he was about 15 at the time. And he'd been badly beaten. He had taken up for one of his younger uh, siblings and and uh, some kids had beat him pretty bad and his face was still swollen his eye was still black but his heart was open and I sat there beside him on on that uh, little couch there and just began to tell him part of my story about my childhood and uh, about the broken home and how I found hope in Christ and how Jesus changed me and I just told him the story and tears began to stream down his face and I, I, I remember vividly I still have a picture of him on my phone I remember as he prayed to receive Jesus, his countenance changed. 
And I remember that night leaving that place with two things on my mind. One, I was still blown away by the power of the simple gospel to change people's lives. But two, I left with a sense that God has a tender spot in his heart for orphans. Psalm 68 verse 5 says this, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth prisoners with singing, but the rebellious uh, live in a sun-scorched land. Over and over and over in Scripture, I kept seeing those three things I mentioned a moment ago. Love, family, and a hope for the future. It's even in this passage. I'm going to read it again with that in mind. The fa- he's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. That right there says to me, God loves you because he's a father to the fatherless. He will, he will not hold back. He'll continue to pursue us, which we know he did through Christ. Then it says, God sets the lonely in families. Of course, that's about family. He searches out the lonely. He brings them into his family. And then the last part says, and he leads forth prisoners with singing. That's future. God's always thinking about the, th- the three things that you need. You need to feel love. You need that. You know, I don't care how tough and rough we are. We still need to know somebody cares. And, you know, uh, this thing about family is more than just your biological family. There's a doctor by the name of Henry Cloud, and uh, we listen to him a lot at Gateway. He comes about once a year. He said if he was looking for a way to destroy the world, he would design something called COVID. And then he went on to say it wasn't just the disease that, 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 that killing people and the fear and all that. He said it was the fact we had to social distance because he said the thing that causes us or helps us to get healed from emotional stress is talking it out together. I love your video about groups. You got you to gotta get in a group. If all you do is a, a, attend church on the weekend, you're missing over 50% of what this church is offering you because it's in those groups that you share life and you process pain. You process issues. You, you process life. And Dr. Henry Cloud said, that's where healing is. So if I want to destroy you, I'd separate you from family. We need family. But we also need a hope for the future. And the Father cares about those things. When King David described the Father here in Psalm 68, he put those three basic things in there. But I love when he says he's a father to the fatherless. Fatherlessness is a real issue. It's, it's a huge issue around the world. Recently, I was studying for this message, and I began to read all these statistics about fatherlessness and, and orphans and, and so forth. And out of three of the major studies that I read, they all summed up the same thing. Here's what it said. Children from fatherless homes are more likely to be poor, become involved in drugs, alcohol abuse, drop out of school, and suffer from health and emotional problems. These are children from fatherless homes. Boys are more likely to become involved in crime, and girls are more likely to become pregnant as teenagers. Why? Fatherlessness. The most shocking stat was this. The suicide rate rate for those from fatherless homes was double than those who had dads. Wow. Dads, do you know how vital you are to your family? Now, I'm not just talking about because you live in the house. I'm talking about because you're active and you're loving and you're giving them the connection they need and you're helping them process life. Dads, we are so vital to our families, but not just dads, but men. We all play a vital role in, in, in the way that children, and not even our own kids, but kids that just are affected by us, 
Some of you don't have any children of your own. Well, that doesn't eliminate you from being a godly influence. What we do or don't do can alter the direction of future generations for years. Oh, my goodness. Orphans. An orphan is defined as someone who lost one or both parents and is not able to care for themselves. Now, if you're an adult and both of your parents have passed away, that doesn't make you an orphan, okay? Uh, you can take care of yourself. The, the issue here is they can't take care of themselves. They're, they've lost one or both parents, and they're not able to care for themselves. But let's define lost for a moment. Now, we know that this is talking about they lost them to death. I get that. But what about absentee fathers? What about disengaged dads? They can do just as much damage as, it, as a kid growing up in a fatherless home. Because, listen, your kids don't need you to command them to, to do right. They need you to lead them in understanding right and wrong. Does that make sense? Scripture says train up a child in the way that they're to go. Not command a child and beat him. You know what I'm saying? It's, there's a difference to that. I really believe that the Lord wants us as men to take leadership roles, not only with our own kids. You know, I had a coach make an incredible deposit into my life. And I can remember words that he spoke into me when I was a football player that even later in my marriage came back to my, to my mind and helped me process through some difficult chapters of, of our life together. One of the most Known orphan stories in Scripture comes out of 2 Samuel chapter 4. And it's the story of a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. I'm thinking, I hope nobody names their kids Mephibosheth. <laughs> Can you imagine going to school, you know? How do you say your name? Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. We're going to call you Bo, you know. I mean... <laughs> By the, by the way, side note, don't name your kids one thing and call them another. If his name's John, call him John. Don't call him Bubba. I mean, it just messes things up in the future. My wife's first name is Caroline, but she goes by Sandy. And there have been times when she was like, maybe had, like, had surgery. This actually happened. She had surgery, and she was trying to wake up from surgery, and they were calling her Caroline. She, she didn't even think that they were talking to her because she goes by Sandy. Or we'll fly. You know, she has to have her driver's license, of course, when we fly. And Sandy's nowhere on there <laughs> except at the bottom where she signed Sandy. She's, oh, you know, just whatever you name your kids, call them that. <laughs> That's enough of that soapbox, but. But Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. He was the grandson of King Saul. They lived in a town called Lodabar. I'm thinking, where in the heck is Lodabar? Probably West Texas or something. I mean, it means worthless and dry. It's got to be West Texas. It's not East Texas. I know that. But anyway, by the, by the way, it rained. Can we give the Lord a hand? Woo! I was trying to figure out what all the water was. I haven't seen it in so long, but thank you, Lord. But Mephibosheth was five years old when both his father and his grandfather died. Now, I want you to go into this story with your emotions for just a moment. I want you to just kind of feel it for just a moment. Here's this young boy, five years old, and he loses his dad. In cases like that, you usually, okay, dad's gone. Now you move in with your grandparents, but he lost his grandfather the same day. Can you imagine being five years old and all of a sudden your world is shattered and you don't have dad and you don't have your grandfather? The Bible t tells us that, that his caregiver began to take care of him. 
And after the death of Saul and, and Jonathan, when this nurse, she, uh, she tried to pick him up and to run with him to save his life because she was afraid that, that, the, that the palace was going to be attacked and he would be killed. And when she ran with him, she tripped and fell, and as a result, he was crippled. And the Bible lets us know he was crippled for the rest of his life. Now, you have to understand, when, when King David took the throne, the way that, that that usually happens is if there are any descendants of previous kings, they're killed. And so part of, the, of that was the reason why Mephibosheth's nurse ran with him to try to preserve his life. But what they didn't know was years before David and Jonathan cut covenant together, which means David said to Jonathan, I'll take care of your family for the rest of their life and vice versa. Well, Mephibosheth didn't know that. And so he grows up with fear concerning the king. And one day King David remembered his promise to Jonathan and he said this. He said, are there any living descendants of Jonathan that I might show kindness? Now, think about that, that phrase, show kindness. We'll come back to it in a moment. And they said, there's one that we know of, and his name is Mephibosheth. So King David calls Mephibosheth to the palace. And when he gets there, knowing the history of how kings work and that he's probably going to be killed, he, the Bible says he knelt down and asked for mercy. And King David did the unexpected. King David, the Bible says, showed him kindness, that's love. Set him at the table with his own, that's family. And I don't know if you know this, he restored to Mephibosheth the land of his grandfather and sent servants to work the land so he would have a future. Is that beautiful? Now, there's a twist to the story that breaks my heart. Later, you see, Mephibosheth wasn't just a physical orphan, but somewhere along the way, he'd picked up an orphan mentality, an orphan spirit, we'll call it. And the Bible tells us that because of that, he lost half of his kingdom. He lost it all at first. And King David then just restored half of it back. Here, here's my concern. We many times miss out on that full inheritance that God wants to give us because we don't believe we deserve it. And we, 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 we have such an orphan mentality that we don't walk in the full destiny God's called us to walk in. How many of you feel distant from God sometimes? You feel like an outsider looking in. You don't feel like you really fit. You watch people worship and you, you think, well, that's good for them, but uh, that's, it's not for me. All these things that we argue with. Let me tell you, orphans struggle with intense fear, uncertainty, vulnerability, anger. They're guarded. Many of them are abused. I'm talking about physical orphans. No wonder they have few that they can trust and no hope for the future. But when you have an orphan mentality, you pick up some, some of those same traits. I don't belong. When you really do. Being an orphan is crippling enough, but having an orphan spirit can spiritually cripple you. It's a way of thinking that affects the way that we live. And some of you are not physical orphans, but growing up in an orphan mentality. You know what one of the major orphan mentality, orphan spirited things is, is, is you've got to perform to be accepted. How many of us still drag that around? I'm not good enough. That's an orphan way of thinking. I'll never have enough. 
And so we're afraid to, to engage. Some of us are afraid to give financially because what if I give and then I don't have enough? And all of that's orphan thinking. I, I grew up like that. My wife grew up in the very opposite mindset. Her dad would take care of things. He'd buy the best of this because he knew it would last. I would buy the worst because it was cheaper and end up buying it three times. You understand? <laughs> orphan thinking? Car needed a dent fix. Well, it was cheaper just to drive around with a dent. She's like, I'm not driving a dented car. She knew how to invest and believe, and I was afraid to step in. You understand what I'm saying? It's an orphan way of thinking. It's a cursed way of thinking. Some of you are still trying to perform to be accepted. Some of you still feel like an outsider to the family of God. Some of us are not walking in the grace that's been given to us through the relationship, our relationship with Jesus. Some of us still don't even know we're loved by God and we're adopted in the family. We have a secure future. We don't know that. We struggle with relationships. That's why some people are in and out of relationships all the time. They're afraid to just give their whole soul and heart to someone. And then they start looking for love in all the wrong places. Be careful, somebody write a country song about you. But you understand what I'm I'm saying? Some of you in this room struggle with that. Or we know someone that does and we don't know how to help them. You ever feel like you just don't belong? You you fear being rejected? Some people fear being rejected, so they hide in the crowd. At least they're connected, but they, they, they hide. They never let anybody really know what they're going through because they fear they're going to be rejected. Or then you've got those who struggle with their identity. They talk about themselves all the time. They wear people out. You see them coming, and you're afraid to ask them how you're doing because you don't have an hour to hear it. They just wear you out. Why? Because they struggle with their identity. They don't know they're a son and they're a daughter. That's not been settled inside of them. It's a real battle. But I'm telling you today, it's time to break the cycle. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to feel disconnected and as an outsider looking in. Let me tell you, John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And that he did. When the father says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, he's not just talking about physical orphans. He's talking about spiritual orphans too. You see, he's trying to chase us down and adopt us. That's a good thing. Some of us kind of grew up around the church and kind of evolved into the scene, and we think we're Christians, but all along we're still outsiders looking in because we've not received the spirit of adoption. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to adopt us. The Father came through Jesus, so he came to rescue orphans. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You can't disconnect the two. I love this passage. It says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So the whole reason Jesus came was to get us into the presence of the Father. Does that make sense to you? Legend has it that back in the 1800s, I believe it was mid-1860s, a very desperate man rode on horseback for several days to get to D.C. to get to the White House because he had a life-and-death issue that he knew if he could get it to the president, the president could make a change. As desperate as he was, he, I think the story says he, five or six days he stopped only to uh, let the horse rest and, and, and water the horse and back on the horse he was. And so he got, he got to the White House, and as he got to the security guard, he went from security guard to security guard trying to, to tell the story so that they would agree that this was a life-and-death situation and it needed to get to the president, but no one would listen to him. 
Finally, in just absolute exhaustion, he went to a local park a few blocks away and sat on a park bench and just began to sob. Because he knew this is a hopeless situation unless I can get it to the president. A young man walking by noticed this grown man sobbing, and it just struck him. It just you know, grabbed his heart, and he said, Sir, what, what is, what's wrong? What's going on? And out of desperation, this older man just told the younger man the whole story. And the young man said, So you need to see the president? He said, Yes, desperately. He said, Well, I can fix that. Follow me. So the older gentleman follows the young man, and they go right up to the security guard at the gate, and they walk right past. They walk up to the house. They were called house guards at that time. They walk right past. They walk right down the, the, uh, the, the hallway into the Oval Office, and the young man says, Dad? Sir? Abraham Lincoln. You see, it doesn't matter what you know. It matters who you know. Can I remind you today that you know the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have full access to the Father. Full access. Well, I don't know if I can talk. You have full access. Get your head up. Straight ahead. Shoulders back. You're a son and a daughter. You may not know it, but that's who you are. You ever been to those concerts where people wear those all-access badges? You know, they show their credentials, and, and they can get backstage, you know? I'm going to tell you something. I can get backstage without credentials because, and you can too, because it's written in blood on our heart. We don't need a lanyard. We don't need an all-access badge. Jesus is our all-access. You hear what I'm saying? We've been given permission to go into the presence of the Father. I love what it says in John 10. Jesus said, I am the door. He's the door. You know, you enter his gates with thanksgiving. You enter his courts with praise. But you enter into the throne room through Jesus. And we have all access to the Father. He came not just to give us access. He came to give us relationship. Because we're no longer orphans. We're sons and we're daughters. Which I want to talk to you about for just a minute. Galatians 4 Verse 4 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Let me, let me stop right there for just a minute. Ladies, I don't want you offended because it says sonship. In a minute, I'll read you a verse where it talks about sons and daughters. But you can't get offended because it says son, sonship. Neither can I get offended because as a man, I'm called the bride of Christ. Okay, So just get over it. He's talking to you too. I promise, let's go on, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Then it says you're no longer slaves, but God's child. And since you're his child, God has made you an heir. There is so much in this passage, you could read this forever and not get it all. But I want you to see those same three things are there. The love's there, the family's there, the future's there. Let's look at it again. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Remember John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There's love. Born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption into sonship. That's family. 
We've been adopted into his family. Then he goes on to say, because you are his sons, God sent his, his spirit of his son into your heart and uh, crying out, Abba, Father, so no longer are you slaves, but God's child. And since you're his children or his child, he's made you an heir. That's future. You're an heir. Go back to this Abba, Father thing for just a minute. Here's how this works. You know that you've been adopted and you've received the spirit of adoption because something inside you shifts. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, pray in this way, our Father. Now, that was foreign to them, our Father. What he was saying was, he's not just my Father, he's your Father. And when the spirit of adoption comes and you've really received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, something shifts on the inside of you and all of a sudden the Father becomes your Father and your heart begins to cry out for Him. You begin to want to be in His presence. You begin to want to talk to Him. You begin to want to know Him. And people can't keep you from church because it's another opportunity to get closer to Him, to know Him better, for Him to touch your life. And it's not just, I'm going to serve God. That's works. That's orphan mentality. No, I'm going to come love God, and from that place, I'll go serve. How many people trying to serve their way into some kind of acceptance? Stop. We'll never please God by all of our good works. He's calling us deeper. He's calling us into a relationship. He wants to be your father. When, the, when you receive the spirit of adoption, he becomes your father. 2 Corinthians 6 says, Come out from among them, touch what's not unclean, or touch not what is unclean, and I'll be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters. He included you, girls. I'm telling you, sons and daughters. I never knew my father. And I can remember the struggle growing up, even when, after I became a Christian, I, I didn't have a difficult time talking to Jesus. I had other brother-to-brother relationships, and so that fit in my grid. But I didn't talk to the Father much. I found out that you can go talk to the Father. I just didn't feel welcome or, or, or right. It just felt like that's for other people, not for me. But it all came because of my, my upbringing. You see, I was born to a 15-year-old mother. Actually, she was 14 when she got pregnant with me. She turned 15 one month before I was born. My, my real father married her, and then that very night he said to her at dinner, two wrongs don't make a right. I was wrong to get you pregnant, but I'd be also wrong to marry you. And he took her home. Because there was a baby involved, there had to be a court proceeding and a divorce and all those kinds of things. And so they, they went through that. My, my grandmother told me that during the court proceedings, she was holding me. But of course, I was an infant. I don't remember this. And when my real father went to walk by to approach the judge, she covered up my head. He never saw me. Later in life, um, Sandy and I were actually playing putt-putt one time with a friend of ours. And he said something to Sandy. And she said, I don't know. Ask him. And I said, ask me what? He said, have you ever wanted to meet your father? And I said, I've thought about it a few times, but I said, why do you ask? And he said, well, he's right over there. And I said, how do you know? And he told me the story of how he knew my story. His mother worked with my stepmom, whom I'd never met, and she knew my father. When I saw him, I was drawn to him. 
And I'm like, I've got to meet this guy. So I made an appointment. He worked at a local bank, and I made an appointment to go see him. I didn't give him my last name. And, you know, the secretary, the administrative assistant, set me in his office. And a few minutes later, he came walking by. I'm sitting here. His desk is there. He came through the door walking by. He said, how you doing? I said, I'm good. And he never looked at me and focused. He walked around and sat down. And he said, now, how may I help you? And he recognized me. Let me tell you how he recognized me. I didn't know that he came to all my football games to watch me play. I didn't know when we won the state championship, he was on the sidelines cheering me on. I'm going to tell you, my, my orphan heart needed to know that. Because when I found out he came to all my games, when I found out he moved his family to the same little country community where I live so he could watch me grow up from a distance, something about knowing that started healing my orphan heart. We decided that day that we were going to get back together. He had not told my two half-sisters about me and that he was going to do that and we were going to figure it out. A few months later, I got a phone call. My grandfather on the other end said, I just got a call from the, the Taylor family. That was my original last name. And your dad, Sonny, is not expected to live. He had a cerebral hemorrhage and he's in a coma. And if you want to see him alive, you need to go. So I, I, I did. I made arrangements to, to go to the hospital. I talked with my stepmother for the first time. And I got to tell you just a little bit of what happened. She said, now, Granny Taylor wants to meet you. But you have to understand all these years, she never believed you were her grandson. So we don't know what she's going to say. We don't know what she's going to do. She may cuss you, slap you. She's high-spirited. She's from... Czechoslovakia, we don't know what she's going to do. So I prepared myself best I could. And standing out in the hallway of the hospital, here comes this little lady toward me. And I'm kind of bracing up a little bit. And sure enough, as she got close enough, there came her hands. But not with enough speed to slap me. She just reached up, started doing this. And then she said, you are Sonny's boy. My heart needed to hear that. I didn't know that I needed that until I heard it. And it started healing an orphan heart. I went on in and spent some time with my dad. Of course, he was in a coma. And, and I, we didn't know how long he had. Night after night, I, when everybody would go home, they'd let me stay. And I'd go into the ICU and I'd just talk to him. And I was talking to him one night, middle of the night. And the nurse came in and she said, Young man, I don't know who you are. But I feel impressed to tell you that when you talk, his heart monitor responds. And I felt like you needed to know that. So I took that moment to say, Sonny, I want to see you again. And I don't know for sure if you know the Lord. And I walked through the whole plan of salvation again. And I prayed again and said, just pray this with me and pray this with me. And I watched that heart monitor. But while I was praying over him and while he was in the process of fading, I noticed his hands looked like my hands. His feet looked like my feet. His face looked like my face. And I said to myself, I don't even know this man. I look like this man and I don't even know this man. And then I heard the Father speak to me. You look like me. We're all created in His image. You look like me, but you don't know me because you don't spend time with me. And that's when it shifted for me. I'm going to pray to Jesus, but I'm going to talk to you too. 
few days later, he passed. I preached his funeral. Not long, I forget now, a few years later, my grandmother passed as well, and I got a phone call. And my uncle called. And he said, hey, I'm, send, I'm sending you some papers you need to sign. I'm, I'm just like, I don't understand. He said, you need to know Granny Taylor changed the will. She put you in the will. Now, that not, might not be a big thing for you, but for a young man that never felt like he belonged to anyone, it settled some issues in my heart. Can I tell you, you belong in God's will. It's called the will of God. It's walking with Him and talking with Him and knowing Him. Last part of the story I'll tell you. Went to Granny Taylor's funeral. And I, Sandy and I walked in and we, we walked toward the front to, to give our last respects. Her casket was there. And we just walked down the aisle and stood there for a moment. And then we slipped off to the family room. And later that day at the graveside, a stranger walked up to me. And he said, you don't know me, but I was one of your dad's best friends in high school. And he said, today when you walked in, I turned to my wife and said, why am I so emotional he said looky there that Sonny's boy I can tell by the way he walks can I tell you you walk like your father you talk like your father you look like your father And for you to not know that and still have an orphan spirit and an orphan heart, you need to know today that you're loved. You need to know today you're family. You need to know today you've got a hope and a future. You don't have to stand in the distance and stare in and wonder why you don't feel like you fit. Some of you've had those feelings of, I got to do better, got to do better, I got to perform, I got to be. Listen, drop it all at the cross. We've all picked up a little bit of, a, of an orphan spirit along the way. And I'm going to tell you something. We're going to get that off of you today. We're going to get that off of you today. Some of you have never felt fully accepted. You've never felt adopted by God. We're going to see that that happens today. You understand what I'm saying? Would you stand with me over, across the room? If the Holy Spirit's talking to you, about how you feel distant, I want to pray for you. If the Holy Spirit's talking to you about how you just continue to perform, to, to find approval, I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute? I want to know who I'm talking to, and I want to give you a private moment. If you'd say to me, Pastor Mark, I feel like I've picked up an orphan mentality along the way. I walk in a lot of insecurity. insecurity. I walk in a lot of fear. I'm uncertain about my future. I don't feel comfortable sometimes in worship services. I don't feel comfortable sometimes talking to God. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up across the room. You say, I can identify with some things you said today. Keep, keep your hands up for a minute. Anyone else? You didn't identify with everything, but you identified with some. I want to pray over you and break this orphan spirit off of you. The Lord said to me today that I'm supposed to release a father's blessing on you. Not my, not, not me as a father, but our father's blessing. And we all need that. But first of all, let's break off this orphan spirit off of us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. 
Lord, we draw near you right now. The scripture says if we'll draw near you, you'll draw near to us. Matter of fact, wherever you are in this room right now, would you just tell the Father, I draw near you. His promise is he's drawn near you at the same time. And then the scripture says, resist the devil and he'll flee. So right now in the name of Jesus, we break off the spirit of an orphan off of us in the name of Jesus. And we command it to go and to leave our life once and for all in Jesus' name. And in its place right now, we receive. I want you to tell the Lord, I receive the spirit of adoption. Tell him that right now. I receive the spirit of adoption. I receive the fact that I'm adopted by you. And I declare right now over you that you are loved. You've never been loved like you're going to be loved right now. I declare the Father's love pouring into you. I declare that you are family. And I declare that you have a future. And I speak a Father's blessing over you in Jesus' name. I pray that your financial situation would change because you're an heir of God. I pray that your health situation would change because you're a child of the Most High God. I pray that the emotional world that you live in would be altered because peace comes where there's been trouble and, 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 and memories that have plagued you would melt in the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, the door is wide open for you to go in and out and talk to your Father. Jesus made a way for you. Look up here at me for a minute. The scripture says heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool. I give you permission by the Holy Spirit to climb up in his lap. I don't care if you're 65 years old and have more gray hair than me. It's time to get up in Papa's lap. It's time to talk to your father about all the things. Things that are good, things that are... It's time to talk to your father and to leave some things right there. I believe that in these next several weeks and several months, if you'll do what I'm talking about, where you just talk to the Father, talk to the Father, you're going to be a different person because of it. You're going to see some things released in your life. And you're going to lay down that whole thing of, I got to work for God. I got to do better because you're free. Amen. Let's give God praise. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text yes card to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We wanna come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.